Today's scripture reading is taken from Mark chapter 15, verses 33 to 37. At noon, darkness came over the whole land until three in the afternoon. And at three in the afternoon, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, lema sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? When some of those standing near heard this, they said, listen, he's calling Elijah. Someone ran, filled a sponge with wine vinegar, put it on a staff, and offered it to Jesus to drink. Now leave him alone. Let's see if Elijah comes to take him down, he said. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning, everyone. So um, I don't know if you've ever had this where when I was a child, I had a childhood prayer. It was a prayer that I would pray pretty constantly and throughout my childhood. And, and the thing, I would pray almost every night. And it was a prayer that, for me, was an important prayer because it meant a lot to me, obviously. And I, would, I remember even before going to bed, I would, I would in lying, lying in bed in darkness, I would pray this prayer. And the prayer was that my parents would get back together. Um, my parents separated in Korea when I was about eight. I don't remember exactly when, but I do remember being very sad about it, about not being happy, being with my dad and my, what we used to call our, our fake mom. And then when we go and be with my, 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 my real mom, um, they wanted me to call my other mom, mom. And we were like, that's not our mom. Anyway, so it was this whole thing. And just going back and forth between mom and dad and, and the challenges with that. And I would pray that prayer that, please, God, won't you um, help them get back together? Because I cared for both of them. I loved them greatly. And so I wanted them to be back together. Yet in the midst of my childhood prayer, it never seemed to have gotten answered. My God, I cry out by day, but you do not answer. By night, I find no rest. This is a line from Psalm 22, verse 2. It expresses well what I was feeling during that time where I felt as though there was no answer by God. Do you have that ongoing prayer that's never been answered by God? As if God is not listening, that he doesn't care, that causes you to say, my God, my God, where are you? Sometimes when we're in these circumstances, we can't help but to cry out and to question what is going on. After two and a half years of COVID, three years, the war in Ukraine, cancer, shootings all over Toronto, it could feel as though we feel like we're being left to fend for ourselves to almost cry out as, as the psalmist does, my God, I cry, cry out by day and there's no answer. I can't sleep at night because of the worries and burdens of this life. And this is what psalms, which are basically worship songs in many ways, do for us, doesn't it? They put into words what we are feeling. They help us with expressing our emotions and help us to live in and through what we are going through. Uh, I looked up a Spotify sad song list playlist, uh, and there's one called Songs to Cry Alone in Your Room at 3 a.m. <laughs> and this is exactly what some of us uh, or someone who finds no rest at night could do, right? You're, you're crying alone in your room 
at 3 in the morning, and you need a song list. And so you go to Spotify, and, and there it is. And in many ways, this is what Psalm 22 does for us. This psalm is typically called the psalm of lament, where the people of God are invited into a time of lament to put into words what they are feeling, the pain of feeling abandoned, the hopelessness and anxiety you feel when you pray and ask, and ask God for something or ask God to do something, but God doesn't show up. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? We're in this series called Any Last Words, and we're examining the seven words of Jesus spoken on the cross. This week, we're looking at the words of Jesus, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? This is the words of Jesus we hear from Jesus hanging on the cross, the words of anguish and despair, the words of Jesus that expresses the pain and loneliness he felt on the cross. What is interesting about Mark's account of Jesus' words is that in Mark's gospel, these words, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me, are the only words of Jesus on the cross. We just talked about having these seven last words of Jesus on the cross, but in Mark's gospel, there is only this one phrase. So there must be a reason why Mark only included these words of Jesus and none of the six other words that Jesus spoke on the cross. By the way, I think there was probably more than seven words of Jesus on the cross, but these are the seven that the gospel writers remembered and wanted to also put down. So why just this line, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? I want to do a, we'll do a little quick game called uh, Name That Tune. But I won't sing it or hum it. What we'll do is I'll just read you uh, the very first uh, like line of that song. And you tell me what the name of that song is. And I googled the best opening lines to songs of all time. And this is the list. And some that made it to the list. Right. So, hello darkness, my old friend. Oh, the sound of silence, yeah, by uh, Simon and Garfunkel. This is the end, beautiful end. This is the end, my only friend. The doors, yeah, the end, the doors, yeah. There must be some kind of way out of here, said the joker to the thief. All, yeah, all along the watchtower by, by Bob Dylan. Just a small town girl living in a lonely world. She took the midnight. <laughs> no, <all right. laughs> Don't stop believing, right? By, by journey. So just as some of you were able to know the song title and probably can't sing most of the song like I just wanted to do, right? Just impromptu, right? You want to sing along, right? It was, it was a common Jewish practice that when someone cites the first verse of a psalm, they were implying the entire psalm. Psalm 22 starts off with the words of Jesus, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me, so far from my cries of anguish? My God, I cry out by day, but you do not answer. By night, but I find no rest. 
The psalm starts with the words of Jesus that we have heard and the words and emotions of many of us who have felt this in our own lives. Those who have lost their loved ones to war and violence, those who have gotten cancer and have lost loved ones. It is the words to a song of anguish and despair that the people of Israel would have sung in their church. It is a song that we also need to sing at our church, songs of lament that puts into words and gives us a space to weep, to ask questions, and even to doubt. And for many of us, we all need to be in this space for a while, to grieve and to mourn because the pain is real. The feeling of separation and loneliness is real, and we are allowed to feel those emotions and be in there as long as we need to be. Yet the song or the psalm doesn't just stay in our anguish, anguish, but acknowledges and remembers that in the midst of this God-forsakenness, that there is hope. Verse 3, yet you are enthroned as the Holy One. You are the one Israel praises. In you our ancestors put their trust. They trusted and you delivered them. To you they cried out and were saved. In you, they trusted and were not put to shame. One of the arguments that an Anglican bishop named, and theologian named N.T. Wright makes, it, makes is that we've forgotten the main purpose of the story of Jesus. The main purpose or the main story of Jesus isn't just what happens on the cross. That is, that is our sins are forgiven because God is mad at us and we need to pay, he needs to pay for our punishment of sins. And, and after that, we can go to heaven, right? But how God has, but that's not what the main purpose is. The main purpose is how God has become king in and through the person of Jesus. And how the whole story is the ushering in of the kingdom of God through Jesus, where there will be a new heaven and a new earth. We're not going up to heaven, but rather heaven is coming to us. And verse 3 implies this kingship of God as the psalmist remembers that God is the one who is enthroned and is the one whom his ancestors put their trust in. It is this God who had delivered them from slavery and had listened to their cries. As I mentioned before, that reciting the very first verse implies the whole psalm. And Mark includes these last words of Jesus, but then parallels Psalm 22, throughout the story of Jesus' crucifixion in Mark 15. So here are some comparisons. Psalm 22, verse 16 to 18. Dogs surround me. A pack of villains encircles me. They pierce my hands and my feet. All my bones are on display. People stare and gloat over me. They divide my clothes among them and cast lots for my garment. Mark 15, 24. And they crucified him, dividing up his clothes and they cast lots to see what each would get. Psalm 22, 7. All who see me mock me. They make mouths at me. They wag their heads. Mark 15, 29. And those who passed by derided, derided him, wagging their heads. Mark 22, 1. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Psalm 15, 30. I'm Psalm. Did I say Psalm? Psalm 22, then Mark 15, 34. And at the ninth hour, Jesus cried with a loud voice. Right, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Psalm 22, 8, he trusts in the Lord, they say. Let the Lord rescue him. Let him deliver him since he delights in him. Mark 15, 31, he saved others. 
they said, but he can't save himself. Psalm 22, 14, 15, I am poured out, poured out like water, and all my bones are out of joint. My heart has turned to wax. It has melted within me. My mouth is dried up like a pot's herd, and my tongue sticks to the roof of my mouth. You lay me in the dust of death. Mark 15, 36, someone ran, filled a sponge with wine vinegar because he was thirsty and put it on a staff and offered it to Jesus to drink. Psalm 22, 22 to 24, I will declare your name to my people. In the assembly, I will praise you. You who fear the Lord, praise him. All your descendants of Jacob, honor him. Revere him, all your descendants of Israel, for he has not despised or scorned the suffering of the afflicted one. He has not hidden his face from him, but has listened to his cry for help. And Mark 15, with a loud cry, Jesus breathed his last the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. This doesn't seem as obvious, but here the psalmist is talking about being in the, in the temple of God, worshiping, worshiping with the assembly. And with the last cry, Jesus breathed his last. And then the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom to give space for um, all people to come into the place where God dwells. Lastly, Psalm 22, 27 to 28, all the ends of the earth will remember and turn to the Lord, and all the families of the nations will bow down before him, for dominion belongs to the Lord, and he rules over the nations. Mark 15, and when the centurion, who is not a Jew, but a Gentile, who stood there in front of Jesus, saw how he died, he said, surely this man was the Son of God. So you see that parallel that Psalm 22, which moves from the cry of lament and then of questioning God to the remembrance of the kingship of God and what, we, what he has done for his people in the past. This doesn't mean that, that all the problems have gone away, but that there is still a hopeful turn, a note of something better to come. And further on in the psalm, we see, in the, see that in the midst of the psalmist's suffering, that there will come a time where God will hear the cries of, the, of his people and the people of Israel will be able to worship him together. Lastly, as verse 27 and 28 says that we just read, all the ends of the earth will remember and turn to the Lord and all nations will bow down before him. He will rule over all nations. So Mark is painting a picture of Jesus as the son of God who not only will forgive sins and not only will die for us for our sins, but will be ushering in a new kingdom. So then, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Isn't just about him feeling forsaken. It's about Jesus being the suffering servant who will bring about the new kingdom of God. The cry of, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? is not only a cry of anguish, but it's also a cry of anguish in faith. Just as Psalm 22 is a psalm of lament where we won't deny the suffering and we won't deny feeling that we feel as though God has forsaken us, yet it is done with a hopeful trust in the God who had not turned his face away from us and has listened to our cries for help. So why does this matter? 
was because one of the ways of looking at the cry of Jesus is that God had forsaken Jesus because of the sin that was laid upon Jesus, right? That God could not stand the side of sin. And when the sin, sins of the whole universe was on the cross on Jesus, God the Father had to turn his face away and leave Jesus and abandon him in order to, for us to be forgiven of our sins. I don't think this is true and believe that Mark was referring to Psalm 22 to give us a bigger picture of who Jesus was and what he was trying to accomplish in bringing the kingdom of God on earth as it is in heaven. In fact, the interpretation that God's wrath was, was uh, placed upon uh, Jesus was not what the early church believed in. It wasn't until about 1100 AD when Anselm of Canterbury uh, made this first claim. He was the first one to relate Jesus' cry of abandonment with the theory that on the cross, Jesus endured the wrath of God for the sake of others. But let's say even if this was true, even let's just say that God was so offended by, by the sins of the world that he had to leave Jesus for that moment. But we know that it was only for that moment. God actually didn't forsake Jesus because we know that God the Father raised Jesus from the dead. And so even if that did happen, God did not forsake Jesus. For that moment, sure, he may have felt it. And you could even argue he went away from Jesus, but God came back. God actually says he will never forsake you. And though Jesus may have felt forsaken and, and even maybe had been forsaken, it will not be forever. And it is in fact through that forsakenness that Jesus is resurrected. When Jesus prays Psalm 22, he is, he is identifying himself with the affliction and pain of the psalmist who wrote the psalm. The Son of God suffers so that he can identify with us when we suffer when we feel abandoned, when we feel as though God has forsaken us. One of the reasons I came to Canada was because my parents did get back together. They decided to come to Canada and try again. I remember feeling like, oh, God did answer my prayer. And we came to Canada. And the thing is, a new country with, with all the stresses that come with uh, a country where you don't speak the language... That doesn't solve a problem in a marriage, but most likely heightens that. And so shortly after we immigrated, my dad did go back to Korea. And I remember feeling so sad and, and feeling abandoned by my, my dad. Yet I know I wouldn't be who I am today if that didn't happen. I'm not saying that God caused the divorce. God doesn't cause things like that. Yet God used what was a breakdown of our marriage to bring about new life, about things that are beautiful. I would have never turned to God like I did if, if I had a good family life. And one can argue that in a situation like that where I felt like I, God hadn't answered my prayers, that I was feeling like he just left me out to dry, that, that God didn't. God didn't forsake me. He was actually with me in that, within my feelings of abandonment, within my pain of, of my parents separating. 
I think it's precisely because Jesus himself suffered and felt abandoned that we ourselves can cry out to God. To a God who does not hide his face forever, but rather who, who is with us. Emmanuel, God with us and promises something very different. If God did want to, if he wanted to forsake us, then, then why would he come in the first place? Right? We believe that Jesus, God so loved the world, he came in Jesus to save all of us. Not just us, but the whole universe. And Jesus does this because he wants to be with us, not just in our good times, but also in the midst of us feeling forsaken. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, who was a pastor and a theologian during World War II, uh, he, he opposed the Nazi regime uh, and when, what, the, what they were doing to the Jewish people. Uh, and though he, has, he was able to find a safe passage to America, he felt compelled to go back and to resist what was going on there. He was arrested for this and while in prison, reflecting on all the evil and suffering that was going on, wrote that it is only because of the suffering God or, or the suffering of God that can help us in this situation. It is because Jesus suffered that we ourselves can find hope in our suffering. It is because Jesus felt abandoned that we can endure when we feel abandoned. It is because Jesus died on the cross that we ourselves can give up our lives to follow him. That it is only through death that we can have life to the fullest. We can have resurrection. Jesus calls us to take up the cross and follow him. When we follow Jesus to the cross in our own discipleship, that is when we have to die to ourselves and to give up our lives to follow Jesus, the journey to the cross isn't easy. There will be times of pain, there will be times of sorrow, there will be times of suffering. The same kind of intimacy we may have had with Jesus when we first met him isn't there anymore. Where our lives may be falling apart, where we may feel as though God is silent and have forsaken us, it is at these times we need to hear the words of Jesus who knew not only the first line of Psalm 22, but the whole psalm. You can cry out in anguish at feeling of, that feeling of being abandoned by God, yet trusting and believing that the cross and the sense of forsakenness is not forever, that God does not turn his face away from you, but rather turns his face towards you and is gracious unto you. That God is the victor and the king who through Christ is not only king of the Jews who was crucified, but also the king of our own lives and our world. We can pray with Christ, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Because we know Jesus is with us in our suffering. That the prayer is not only a prayer of anguish and fear and doubt, but also a prayer of hope and trust. So join me as we pray this prayer together. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me, so far from my cries of anguish? My God, I cry out by day, but you do not answer. By night, but I find no rest. I invite you to spend some time praying this prayer of prayers that have been unanswered. 
of moments where you have felt forsaken. Yet you are enthroned as the Holy One, Jesus. You are the one Israel and all nations praise. In you our ancestors put their trust, and they trusted, and you delivered them. To you they cried out and were saved. In you they trusted and were not put to shame. We take time now to remember your goodness and that you are King and remember the times in which you have been faithful to us. We will declare your name to all people. In the assembly, we will praise you. You who fear the Lord, praise him. All you descendants of Jacob, honor him. Revere him, all you descendants of Israel. For he has not despised or scorned the suffering of the afflicted one. He has not hidden his face from him, nor will he hide his face from us. But has listened to his and our cries for help. From you comes the theme of my praise in the great assembly. Before those who fear you, I will fulfill my vows. The poor will eat and be satisfied. Those who seek the Lord will praise him. May your hearts live forever. All the ends of the earth will remember and turn to the Lord. And all the families of the nations will bow down before him. For the kingdom belongs to the Lord and he rules over all the nations. All the rich of the earth will feast and worship. All who go down to the dust will kneel before him. Those who cannot keep themselves alive. Posterity will serve him. Future generations will be told about the Lord. They will proclaim his righteousness, declaring to all people yet unborn, he has done it. Amen. Amen.